Hello and welcome to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about plane. <laughs> just plane. Because, you know, <laughs> the, the, the marketing people behind this movie are, you know, just geniuses. Loki, Loki geniuses, though. This movie didn't make as much money as I thought it was going to. But uh, joining me today from somewhere in the Philippines, it's uh, Daniel Lima. Daniel, what's going on? Oh, you know, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure here in the Philippines. <laughs> um, yeah. So Plane is the newest movie for, uh, starring Gerard Butler. I think, you know, sometimes I'll lead off with like the director's name or the writer's name. But I think the most important thing is this is a Gerard Butler vehicle. I didn't know, Daniel, he actually produces his own movies. A lot of these, you know, Gerard oh. Butler type movies. So um, he's, you know, I'm sure it does pretty well for himself by like, it's you a know, real auteur. Yeah, he's found his niche. But uh, it's directed by a guy named uh, Jean-Francois Roche and on a with the screenplay by uh, Charles Cumming and J.P. Davis. Uh, but again, it's Gerard Butler's vehicle. He plays Brody Torrance, a commercial airline pilot for, uh, in an airline called, um, God damn it. I want, I want to remember the name of that airline. It was kind of funny. It's, it's a fake airline, but I think, I think we're kind of led to believe it's like they fly international, but it's like, it's like kind of like the international equivalent of like flying frontier spirit or something like that. <laughs> um, and he, he, he's been, he's been, we find out why, but he's been relegated to like, you know, just, uh, being based in Singapore and just kind of flying these crappy routes between like Singapore and Tokyo and stuff like that. Uh, and he's having to do one on New Year's Eve on a flight that literally has 13 people on it, uh, including, uh, including a convict, uh, played by, Mike Coulter, who, you know, killed a guy once and was getting extradited uh, back to, uh, I guess, back to America, but he's got to go to Tokyo first. Various other passengers. But the most important thing is that like one of the executives from the airline says, sorry, you can't fly around that storm. You got to fly over that storm. It would cost another $12,000 in airline fuel. Sure enough, uh, the bad weather causes them to like, you know, have to do a somewhat of a crash landing. But, you know, he's uh, he might be the best airline pilot we've seen since Denzel Washington in flight. He gets them on the ground. <laughs> And unfortunately, they're in a remote island in the Philippines where there are, you know, uh, just kind of separatists that, you know, might want to, you know, find some uh, valuable hostages. Daniel, I think we were very excited when the trailer for this movie dropped. You especially, you called dibs on this podcast. Uh, I think you were, you, you probably built the movie up in your head quite a bit. And I'm very curious because I don't think you had the best reaction to this movie. I want to know uh, when you go to see a movie called Plane, I, I personally feel like I got about like, 85 to percent of what I wanted to get when I go see a movie called Plane start starring Gerard Butler. Though I who knows what I actually want out of this thing. I actually haven't seen a lot of those Gerard Butler movies. I just kind of know what they are. Um I've seen I mean I've seen um Den of Thieves, but like I think that's about it, you know. I'm one and I you seem like that you might be a Den of Thieves guy. I don't know. But I'm wondering like what, what was this movie missing that you were hoping it would have? Well, I'll admit here that I, I did build this up more than I should have in my head. Uh, the director is Jean-Francois Richet. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, That's what I said. The, so we both got it wrong if, if you got it right. <laughs> he did the two Mezzarine movies in France, which I thought were okay. But he did the really great uh, Bloodfather starring um, the Rewind's favorite, Mel Gibson. Yeah. Um, yeah, twenty six. That kind of, I was kind of what he. I, I was. I was him working his way up to the fat man. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. And uh, you know, like I, I really liked Bloodfather. I thought that it was a really cool DTV action thriller sort of thing. And that's pretty much what I expected from Plane. I wanted like a a grimy, no thrills. You know, full of like you know action and like you know dumb cheesy lines and you know that sort of very uh machismo filled like action movie that's kind of what i wanted out of this this movie um, actually had a lot of restraint for like waiting to get to the action which it, may, it seems like might have been something where you wanted it to maybe embrace that a little more yeah i think my issue is that i should have looked at the title <laughs> the title is plane a plane goes down and it is 
far more a disaster movie than it is an action movie in the vein that I kind of wanted. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like, and the rhythm of this movie, I mean, granted, I'm not a huge disaster movie guy. I haven't seen a ton of them, but I just, I just could not get into the procedural elements of this film. It is simple, no frills action, you know, of a sort, sure. But I feel like they leave a lot on the on the table when it comes to setting up, you know, these characters. And I, I know how. And look, I know what that sounds like. What did no, you no, expect no, no. from a movie called Play? No, no, no. I'm actually, I'm actually here with you on that. So I want to pick up on a couple of things you said, though. One, I, I'm, I kind of get what you're saying on the tone. It was funny. I, I was in a text chain with the friends I went to see the movie with yesterday, and someone was like, and uh, one, one of my friends, Katie, she was like, oh, this just seems like it's going to be too, too intense and scary for me. I'm like, what do you mean intense and scary? It's called Plain. It's going to be goofy fun. Was basically what my pitch to her was, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think it had that kind of sense of humor about it, like I was maybe expecting it to. Uh, based on based on the marketing and all that, but I still but I still had a good time with it. Uh, so I think that's one thing where it's like you kind of think it's gonna like you know be a little more winking and, and goofy in a way I think you're talking about, and it, it it took itself a little more seriously than that. Not even necessarily like goofy, as in like overtly comedic necessarily. Yeah, but, you know, leaning into the sort of simple simplicity, the sort of dumb simplicity of its premise. You know, I, th- I think I think it plays a tr- pretty fairly straight down the middle in that regard, though. Correct. Yeah, it is a very fairly like grounded somber like procedural like you know you're getting like you know they, they the plane goes down and then he's just gerard butler trying to corral the other passengers and then you have a narrative with the heads of the uh the airline who are trying to locate the plane and you know you have the it's very much like oh, look i'm gonna say it's very much like airport or zero hour it's more i'm thinking of airplane i haven't seen either of those movies but you know where you have the ground team trying to like guide the uh protagonist through the the motions of their you know of the the the, the return home we should note that paul ben victor who I, I i know him best from season two of the wire but like i know he's he's one of the, he's one of those guys that shows up and stuff he's like the mm-hmm. owner ceo of the airline and they bring in a guy named scarsdale played by tony goldwyn who run who's basically a fixer but they say he's like a crisis manager that knows how to get things done, basically. And I, I don't know. I just got a kick of it, kick, kick out of that guy when he came in. I, I actually enjoyed those scenes. The other point I want to touch on that you made was you, you, you kind of started trying to like, you know, back off when you made the point about character development. And I think it's actually my biggest criticism of the movie, where it's like the fact that like this plane's only so full means like, hey, there's only so many characters here. You should have a chance to like actually get to know them. And they oh, give you hold glimpses. On. I'm so sorry. I have to interrupt you here because I just realized I need to put some more respect on Rache's name because he also directed Assault on Precinct 13, the remake, which is great and actually a good example of like what I kind of hoped this movie would uh, do. Okay. I've never seen that movie, actually. Well, um, you know, it's a remake of the, you know, Carpenter, yeah. like Carpenter film. And like, I think that this, I mean, granted, it is a remake, but I actually kind of prefer Assault on Precinct 13, uh, the, the 2005 remake, because it, I don't know. I think that it does a better job setting up these characters um, granted, I saw this when I was like 15, but like I still remember Lawrence Fishburne's character. And I remember nobody from the John Carpenter film, even though I saw that far more recently. You know what I mean? Maybe so, it, has jaw, it has Jaw Rule. That's funny. Jaw Rule, <laughs> Gabriel Byrne. You one, know, of my favorite, I, one of my favorite fun facts is that Jaw Rule is like actually like 20 years old because he was or he's like 15 years old. because He was born on a leap year on February 29th. 
that's funny. Uh, that's funny. But but yeah, like I think that with something like plain, I think that even though you're not going to expect something that's like very dense in like characterization, I think that you know, as an action movie, as a simple-minded action movie, you're supposed to at least give your characters like a handful of like traits to make all of them pop and beyond i don't think even even butler i don't think really gets though i think the the ground control guy the fixer guy he gets the most personality ever everybody yeah butler is just the serious action man mike coulter who you know turns out to be like a like a, a french foreign legion vet out of everything but was, um, who, who escaped to that after doing the murder I, at first i thought it was like oh he did some shit when he was in the army it's like no i was just on the run and i joined the, i joined I, I joined a military crew i actually i actually kind of like some of the choices they make with him later on in the movie well he I, well here's my problem with that character is that you hear that like one's the like straight laced like captain trying to you know keep everything together the other is the convict and you get a sense that he's going to be like a noble guy who happens to be like wrongfully accused or something along those lines but the fact is like immediately there's no tension between the two like immediately they're both very trusting of each other and the film takes great pains to like make sure that the viewer isn't mistrustful of mike coulter and like i mean that robs you of a lot of tension that could be there like i guess but you're, but you're expecting them to be like that so i i I, th- I thought it was an interesting turn where it's like no th- this guy actually isn't just like the wrongfully accused yeah, guy but with the like heart it of gold. starts off but when you start off like that like that means there's no tension to be had there so it ends up just being a bunch of people trying to survive until the actions beats pick up and that's not very interesting i was bored out of my mind for most of the movie for that reason there's no internal tension it is just trying to keep people calm and the ground crew trying to locate the plane and you're switching between these two things which have which have no like real narrative drive well well, i kind of get what you're saying about coulter though i just i kind of like the way they eventually fill in the personality but uh the thing is like you're you like you're saying they they spent all this time on the ground with these people and you get like little glimpses of like where they might it felt felt like a lot of stuff ended up on the cutting room floor actually maybe Mm. it's like i I feel like there's that guy it's it's an an hour 90 minutes i mean an hour 30 or or hour 40 yeah like there's Mm. a there's the guy um who's played by uh, like this guy that's just like kind of annoyed and kind of and frustrated with everything that's a passenger he's played by a guy named joey slotnick who I guess people know from stuff, and and then and, and then there's like these other two girls that like like teenage like early twenties college girls that like are you know into their social media initially, but like that's about it. Like on Wikipedia, it says like oh, this one passenger has a large following on social media, and maybe they made a comment like that, and I just forgot. But it's like, I have I think no idea what they're talking about. Right, but you, but like I, I I thought they could have like gotten some mileage, and then there's like the other guy who. It's just like a um, who I, I guess gets a moment or two earlier in the like he gets a couple of lines. But at the end, it's like he's the one that drives the shuttle, even though there's always these special forces guys like I can drive anything. And it seems like that was supposed to be some kind of line that was like, you know, ca- that, that was supposed to be like, you know, a payoff to something that had happened earlier. But that never actually made it into the movie. It's like that was supposed <laughs> to be something like we were supposed to like be like, oh, cool. Like this guy that we've like known the whole movie, like. Is actually getting this moment, but it's like, why? Why should I care about this guy? Like, right. I thought like it, you could have like gotten some mileage out of these girls being fish out of water, or this one guy just being. And maybe that one guy could have been cannon fodder. Except I don't think any of them really actually die, except for like the idiots that just try and run away from the separatists as soon as they show up. So of course they get killed. It's like they could have built some of these characters up. Maybe one of them could have died. Maybe some of them could have provided some laughs. But they're just kind of background noise in a way that like felt like a missed opportunity for a movie that like you know I think was long enough to have had it to, to have gotten a little bit more out of those supporting characters. Right. Uh, another issue that I have is that the, the movie introduces like a 
I don't know, like maybe it's wrong to call it a Duzak Smachina, but like there's like, you know, immediately once they find them, they dispatch like a mercenary team to go pick them up. And like, I mean, I don't know. It's like one of those things like immediately it robs you of the tension because suddenly they have like a team of highly trained soldiers that's there going there to support them. And you know that they're on their way and you know that they're good guys and they don't they never do anything to like raise the question of maybe these. I thought that maybe like, oh, maybe these mercenaries end up being bad guys or something like that. But no, that would be, I guess, or maybe maybe one of them gets tempted by the bag of money or in, in some different way. Yeah, like, you know, that would be a hair too interesting, I guess, because like, I mean, it again, it just it's it's not that like I expect something incredibly dense and plotty or anything like that. Yeah, I, I like that we didn't get that. Well, I think the script takes a lot of pains to like remove any sort of narrative tension within the piece because you see all the pieces moving and the fact that it, so it plays like a procedural, but the procedural elements, because it's so simple and not dense. The procedural elements of how they navigate getting this plane back up in the air, it's just not very interesting. Like because it's yeah. so simple, because it's so quick and so rushed. If it was like a three-hour, like Fincher-esque sort of deep dive into the mechanics of how something like this would be, I mean, I'm not saying that'd be find that particularly interesting either, but like at least it would justify like the lack of like narrative tension because you'd be getting deep, get, getting deep into the machinations of how something like this would work because you don't have that because it's so simple and streamlined because you see every single angle of the, you, you even get the, the villains, you get the perspective of the villains, you get the perspective of like all these different people. And like, because you see everything happening a scene or two before it actually happens, you're just, I'm just left watching it and just thinking like, what am I supposed to be like, feeling here because there's no you know the the point of an action movie is that there should be some sort of like like a a good deliberate pace and tension you know uh like people should feel like there's it should feel like there's some danger here and i don't think it ever really does i find it interesting uh because normally sometimes we'll talk about an action movie and you'll be very critical of the quality of the action and that's not something we've really even talked about yet did you come to this movie with like you know more tempered expectations for the action just hoping these other things you've already discussed would have just been like executed better and if if that stuff had been done right would you have just been kind of forgiven about the action which i'm sure you could analyze pretty and nitpick i mean more than most people but like it's it, it, it was that something that you like had any level of expectation for coming in or was it just kind of like your thoughts on that were secondary once this other stuff started bothering you yeah i expected that the action would be like serviceable and for the most part it is granted there's not a ton of it it is kind of it is kind of dull because like you know when you get to the big shootout again it's just a bunch of people popping out of cover taking a couple shots at each other and then ducking behind cover like it's not stuff that i find particularly interesting but it's like you know that was basically a- all of wrath of man like your second favorite movie of 2021 though i actually disagree i think wrath <laughs> of man is far more uh like there's far more going on in the choreography of that film right. uh, but like this one like it is just a pop-up shoot go back down shot reverse shot and the only bit of action that i actually somewhat slightly appreciated was that one or fight scene and like toward the beginning it's like the first bit of action we get outside of the plane crashing and it's it's okay you know like i i appreciate that they tried to but again i'm just getting a little tired of the the (laughs) the one or like 
oh man, look at how hard these people are struggling action scene. I'm getting a little bored of it, to be honest with you. you did, so you did not enjoy Mike Coulter with the sledgehammer? Uh, you know, truthfully, I'm not really remembering what you're talking about. So when he and Gerard Butler go to uh, free the people after they've been taken into that, basically that little holding oh, cell. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I they actually kind of sneak up around of, the building and yeah. I did kind of appreciate that. It also made me think like, wow, this has really been like, the past year has been like a really strong year for sledgehammers in action movies. Uh, the last one we talked about was what uh the santa claus movie yeah he did kind uh, of have something like that in violent night yeah yeah fierce cop had like a big sledgehammer action scene i saw one actually in a um in a film i watched recently vera simha ready which is an indian action movie like it's uh, sledgehammers are having their moment in uh in action cinema which you know good for the sledgehammer um it, it is it is decent enough like I, that that set piece was admittedly a little decent enough like i like the bit of violence that the sledgehammer introduced but ultimately like it's it, the thing is like i'm not going to judge it too too harshly because a truthfully i mean i see that the budget was 20 million but like this feels like it was originally really? intended to be I, I think i saw that the budget was like 20 million uh yeah budget 20 to 25 million estimated. that's actually not i mean uh, it's actually pretty good for that they pulled off what they did i for feel that like that's I, I perhaps i mean i feel a little like this could have probably been a little less than that but i feel like a, a big majority of that i mean if it's Gerard Butler's production company. I think he's pocketing most of that, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, and uh, because I don't think that Mike Coulter is pocketing that much, which by the way, I like Mike Coulter, to be clear. Uh, I like both of these guys as actors. I think they're a little underserved by the material. Uh, speaking of which, you mentioned the screenwriter, uh, J.P. Davis. I have only seen one other thing that he wrote. He's only apparently got four credits, according to Letterboxd. And the only other thing that he wrote was The Contractor from last year, the uh, Chris Pine, Ben Foster movie, hmm. uh, which was bad. It was a bad movie. I, and I, it was I a did badly, not, I did not see that. Yeah, it was a badly, bad movie, a badly written movie. And uh, knowing that going now, I'm sort of like, oh, OK, I see it. OK, well. I was about to say there wasn't that much uh, groan worthy dialogue, but then I remembered at the end, it's like, well, hopefully this layover is not as bad as the last. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's, uh, that, that, that's what I want. Yeah, I wish I had more of that. Sure, know? sure. I get what you're saying. I mean, because it's so po faced for most of it. I didn't necessarily think it was probably weird. And one of the things I thought kind of uh, stood out like a sore thumb, though, was like there was a moment like right before the end where they like were like, all right, Gerard, you got to like really act now. And they try, they show him like sitting there, like trying to like, convey a lot of emotion and like almost generate tears on his face but i don't think he quite gets there but it's like you got to really process everything you've been through gerard it's like oh wow they're really trying to give him his oscar moment before this thing uh wraps up and i was like it, it, it felt very awkward and shoehorned in that was one moment like oh man i feel like they kind of got off assignment here a bit a bit with like when lost the thread a bit on here what about the what about what about the bad guys when you go to see a movie like this do you care if the, there's only this level of effort put into like shading the bad guy or are you like fine i'm i'm okay with some like you know just like generic know, henchmen, generic like, generic <laughs> generic militant dude on an island generic ethnic militant yeah like, yeah there, yeah um yeah i mean it's kind of to be expected i'm not too too bothered by it especially considering that i mean it the, that part of the plot kind of breathed life into the movie because like you know the procedural like Oh man, how are we gonna get off this island? You know, like that. I don't find very interesting. So yeah, I'm not too. I'm not too bothered by the lack of definition. At least it gave the protagonist something to actually react to, because mm. otherwise it would have just been wait until the mercenary team gets here, kills everybody, and then we go home. Yeah, I, 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 I meant, and I meant to mention earlier when you made the point about the mercenary team. I kind of agreed with you. I thought they showed up a little too fast. 
And let's say, who are all these guys even hanging out anyway that they got there that fast? Uh, if this place is right. still in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> I guess like they could have been there's maybe some Pacific base. I I, I don't know, but it was, they, they showed up like right at the perfect time. And, you know, if you're going to have them show up that quickly and kind of rob that part of the movie at with as much tension, like have them effectively come in and shoot the, shoot up those people right when they do, right as like the people that we're rooting to get out safely are in the most peril they're in the entire movie, then I think you need to put someone else in a little more, more peril later on, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. And at, at, when they're making that escape on the plane, you may, maybe you said this earlier, but like, you, you don't you're never really that worried anyone we care about is going to get hurt because like we know they're not going to kill gerard butler and it's like he takes two gunshot wounds and just kind of keeps going and it's like all right fine the gerard butler can take two gunshot wounds and keep going but like i feel like someone else has to like even if they don't die has to get hit with a bullet because like we got to think we got to believe someone here might actually suffer some real consequences and like, yeah i don't think does do any of the passengers even die? i mean spoiler there's people but like do any of the passengers even die no, that's what I was saying. There's the people that run off. Uh, yeah, at the, the beginning the, the when they first they, get on the scene, yeah, they shoot like two people. Yeah, who, who like try and run away. But I don't think anyone even takes a bullet after that point. You know, yeah. I, I, I leaned over like right when the um, co-pilot early, like when they start the plane, right when he's showing Gerard Butler pictures of his family and, and Gerard Butler's like nice family. Like I, I whispered to my friend, oh, it'd be a shame if something happened to him before he get back to see him. I was just sure that guy was going to get dead when he's showing pictures of his family. And like, he's never really even in that much danger. I mean, it was yeah. just like, I, I, I'm not someone that's like, it's oftentimes you hear people say in certain movies, like, oh, someone need to die for there to be stakes. It's like, I don't even necessarily need someone to die. I just want to like have, be made to think someone might die. Yeah, like, I mean, if you're not going to if you're not going to sell that kind of like danger through the filmmaking, which I'm sorry, this movie doesn't really do. The only part of this movie that has any sort of like real style or panache to it is that one or fight scene. Um, If you're not going to go that route, then I mean, narratively, you need to introduce some sort of like potential stakes. And I don't know, this movie doesn't really do that. Um, Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I guess I I, I want to I, I can agree. It's a good criticism that they would have been putting a little more danger, but I still had fun. I guess I guess I, I guess maybe it was more like I had faith that like throughout as I was watching the whole time, like, oh, like this is a pretty perilous situation. Like maybe someone won't make it out. Like I I guess I I kind of thought that, but they never like it never got to that point, I guess, is my I kind of had I kind of just assumed someone was going to be put in danger at some point. So I wasn't like really criticizing the movie that much as it was happening. And then Mm -hmm. I guess I got to the end and now I'm talking about with you and I realized, oh, they never really actually put anyone in danger. Like I wasn't like, so I I enjoyed the ride because I guess I just kind of thought that was going to be a part of the ride. And then it wasn't is how I would say it's like, I I, I can acknowledge it's a totally valid valid criticism, but it just wasn't something that was bothering me that much as it was happening in the moment. Yeah. Right. I was just like, all right, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying like some of the shoot 'em up stuff and, and some of these fights, but like, I can certainly, like I said, I can certainly criticize. I feel like there could have been, a, you could have shaded these characters more and put one of them in danger. Like, I think it's totally, totally fair criticism. And that's the one thing I was thinking as I was watching. It was like, ah, I don't really know if I know these people that well. And I, and I agree with you. It's like, it feels weird criticizing these people for that part of the writing that much. But I do think it just kind of goes to the overall emotion that, you know, you're feeling during a movie if you are able to, you know, add a little bit. And it wouldn't have even taken that much. Like, you know, you could have like give even if the movie is like seven minutes longer where you're just like hanging out with those people on the plane before they take off or something or, or like, right. Yeah. Or, give or, a little or, bit more shading or, or 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 zoom in on a conversation once they're just because we're allowed to believe like these people are just miserable sitting there because it's hot. They're not allowed to get on the plane because it's so hot. They're under this shade. Why not just like kind of drop in on a few of their conversations or something like that for just a few minutes here or there? Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Um, You know, one example, I mean, this isn't a disaster movie, but an example of the kind of thing that would have works 
was uh, uh, the, the, the beginning of Predator in that helicopter ride in that first like 20 minutes before you get to like an actual set piece. They do so much to like flesh out those characters. Granted, like, you know, they're all burly, manly men. Um, but like, you know, through little things like, you know, like uh, Shane Black constantly telling jokes and the, you know, the Native American guy is the stoic sort of like tracker who's really good with the land. They managed to get across all this without like tons of exposition and dialogue. It's just watching these characters bounce off of each other and like kind of like seeing the relationships kind of build and play out. I think that it's very possible to do that even within the confines of like a movie that's like an hour, 40 minutes. If you're the screenwriter, that would seem like the almost be like the most fun part of writing a script like this too you know exactly because it's so many it's like a bunch of people in like a condensed sort of location stuck in one place right what 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 are you doing is like the 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 script writer like for that final shootout scene on the runway or whatever like there's there's not really a whole lot of like fun stuff you're just like all right this person shoots that person that person shoot that one like i would have i would think it would be fun to kind of like color in some of those other passengers on the plane and they just you know what you know i mean hey i mean hate to do the like hey we can write a better movie than this little thing but like i mean hey what if there's no mercenary team what if the mike coulter and gerard butler they happen upon a stash of weapons like you know when they rescue the uh the, the plane passengers and they drive they, they they hijack a bus and they drive it back to the plane and guess what they there's a bunch of guns in the bus and so they hand them out to the passengers and say we got to be our own backup you like you know and uh you know when the guys come and like imagine because you don't have that time spent with the mercenary team maybe you cut down the time spent with the mission control and you just spend that time instead fleshing out these characters so now they've built up relationships with one another and suddenly you actually are kind of tense during the action even as rote and basic as the uh the choreography and the editing is like you know like at the very least now you're kind of bought into these people versus a bunch of are they are they going to be able to fire off that are they going to be able to fire off that gun with any level of precision as opposed to these other guys that like fire the gun every time with precision yeah and then like you know what if you know one guy gets shot and then suddenly the asshole guy who you never liked like he actually goes through the you know gunfire in order to save him like a nice little moment there see i mean this is just basic hack shit that like would have been (laughs) made for a more fun dumb action movie than uh what we got in my opinion, let's uh, let's let's start that Google Doc tonight. You know, <laughs> um, Daniel, is there anything else about Plane we didn't already talk about that you wanted to touch on? I still like Gerard, man. I still I still root for him. Uh, I, I have seen a good amount of Gerard. I've seen like I mean, I say a good amount. Out of seventy two movies on Letterboxd, I've seen thirteen. And I think that he's really oh, great he in Cop Shop. Yeah, I've seen, I think he's really great in I Cop Shop. I need to see Cop Shop. I need to see Cop Shop. I know you like that movie. It's genuinely fantastic. He's good in Law Abiding Citizen, although the movie I don't really like. Um, Geostorms. Geostorm was actually an example of like a fun B movie, granted with a higher budget than this. But I think that's one where it's like dumb and it's a disaster movie too. And I just think that it, it hits the notes that it needs to hit. Yeah, I've literally seen before this, I'd seen six Gerard Butler movies and three of them were the him being a voice actor in the How to Train Your Dragon thing. So I'm not as well versed in Gerard Butler. <laughs> yeah, I think I do genuinely have a ton of like I, I really like him. And Mike Coulter, I know him from both Luke Cage and uh Evil, the Paramount Plus show. Or but like, yeah, it is and he's great in both of those shows. Like, I think that there's a world where this is like a far more, I don't know, like, even if it's more hack, like, I think that it's more, there's a world where it's more streamlined and yet fleshes out the world of these, that these characters inhabit more in a way that makes the kind of 
action beats more impactful. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I was found it to be like a really, I was really looking forward to this movie. I was saying it would be the first great movie of 2023. And I ended up calling it the first big disappointment of the year. Mm, that's a shame. I felt like nearly every one of your criticisms was valid and I still had a fun time with it. So the <laughs> listeners can make of that what they will. Yeah, I would recommend, uh, I would recommend that people still see it just because I seem to be the only person who has this opinion, all the action people I follow were like, yeah, we got what we wanted out of this. And, and also know. all the usual caveats of like, Hey, you want, you want movies to get made that aren't superhero movies, go see them, you know? So yeah, sure. Support, support your art. So you can keep producing movies. You've, you've already routed off a bunch of other movies. I mean, is there anything else you want to recommend though, that like in, in this genre that you, that you just think people should, you know, you, they should check out. Well, I love DTV action. Um, you know, like I just actually saw um, sick, the Peacock original movie. Um, that's uh, directed by John Hyams and uh, who's like a, you know, one of the big names in DTV action. Uh, this is actually a slasher movie set during like the beginning days of the COVID pandemic. And it's written by Kevin Williamson, the screenwriter behind Scream and Dawson's Creek and a bunch of other TV shows. So uh, it, that was actually another like fun, no frills genre movie that I think hit all the beats, the necessary beats in like a very fun sort of way. I think uh, John Hyam's direction really does a lot to elevate a sort of humdrum sort of script. For the style of action movie that I kind of was hoping for, uh, PM Entertainment was was a 90s uh, direct-to-video label that produced a ton of movies. Um, I've only seen a small, small portion, but they all kind of hit the same beats that I would want out of this. They're all very simple they've got big stunt moments uh they're all you know corny fun um i think my favorite is rage um starring uh gary daniels you know my favorite british martial arts star that's not um scott atkins uh, I, I, and stuff that i've seen recently i mean we're gonna do an episode about it hopefully uh in the next couple of days but skin of a rink I thought was actually the first great movie of the year. Oh, I'm so sorry. I've got one I definitely want to talk about because we're never doing an episode on this. Hmm. The Devil Conspiracy. Do you know The Devil Conspiracy? I have no idea what The Devil Conspiracy is. Uh, the Devil Conspiracy, a, cable, a cabal of Satanists. They use uh, bleeding edge technology to create a clone of Jesus Christ from the Shroud of Turin, and they impregnate a woman with it. But fortunately, uh, the Archangel Michael has come back to Earth in the body of a dead priest, and he's pretty much a superhero who wears a, a a leather jacket over the priest garb and like totes a shotgun around and spits out lines while he's shooting away like Satanists and you mm. know the, the the lady ends up being possessed by Satan and Satan's gonna be the infecting the body of the baby body of Jesus and uh it is a bonkers like it, I remember seeing malignant going what the fuck's even going on I was hoping to get that out of Megan which we should be doing an episode of uh later also we'll, we'll, we'll do that we'll yeah we'll do that with Skinner Marink. but like devil conspiracy definitely delivered that sort of zany where, where, where can is, people see it if they want to see that right now it's in theaters it is actually oh, okay. in theaters and <laughs> no it's not nobody's radar i don't know anybody else who has seen this movie it has 800 logs on letterboxd like it is completely flying under the radar and that's a goddamn shame because i think that it is exactly the kind of goofy b movie fun it's like a superhero movie meets a 2000s like grim dark fantasy action movie meets like a bloody grimy like exploitation horror movie uh meets a possession movie it's 
It's so bonkers. It's so much fun. I cannot recommend it enough. Go out and see The Devil Conspiracy. All right. Uh, instead of recommending something I'm going to watch that was new recently, I was trying to think of any kind of action movies that were, you know, kind of in the same realm as this one that I I, I really liked. That, mm-hmm. um, and one that I never did a podcast on, but I actually watched a, a couple years ago was the Chloe Grace Moretz vehicle, Shadow in the Cloud. It is on Hulu. It is 83 minutes long. There's no excuse not to watch this movie. It is. No, there's one excuse. Oh, yeah. I forgot Max Landis wrote it. Oh, let's not. Let's forget about that. Uh, you know. <laughs> well, I say this. I say that. I think apparently, I apparently, yeah, apparently it got heavily reworked. By so the director. Pretty much, yeah. Roseanne Liang's thing. Uh, I've heard great things. Everyone who I know who has seen yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Waterbox like, now. Your boy JD gave it four stars. I gave it four stars. Uh, I'd be curious to see what you think. 83 minutes and that's what, you know, includes the credits. So yeah, it's one I've been definitely meaning to get to. It's a, it's a, it's it's a fun action movie. Like, I mean, I'm, I, 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 I go way back with Chloe Grace Moretz. It doesn't seem like she should like be good in action movies. She does some silly action movies that actually like really work in different ways, including that the the fifth wave is another one that came out in 2015. It was just one of the most hilarious theater going experiences I'd ever had just because of like how everyone was on the same page of like laughing at this movie that took itself too seriously. But like shadow in the cloud is like a really good one that like, I, I, I remember watching it thinking, Oh, I think I could see Daniel getting into this. Uh, but uh, like, it's, it's one on, that I definitely intend to see at some point. Yeah, it's on Hulu. I I think people should. I think if you're just looking for like like a like a fun kind of silly uh, action movie that like you can just get in and out of and not think too hard about, highly recommend it. Uh, th- that's all we got today. Uh, Daniel, do you want to plug any uh, social media or Letterbox or Twitter or anything like that? Yeah, felonious funk on Letterbox. As usual, I'm Josh Schoenervoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on both Twitter and Letterbox podcast. Twitter is at Rewind Movie Pod podcast email is around moviepod at gmail.com coming up next on the podcast as we said i think i might reconvene the team of daniel and our friend gage who did a couple horror movies last year to talk about both megan and skinnamarink uh also uh unfortunately our friend josh brown is not gonna be able to make it back to the movie theater due to his uh injury anytime soon so we will have to be moving on and doing an episode on avatar the way of water without him we'll be joined by our friend elijah for that so everyone has those to look forward to plus Whatever else we got coming up with the early 2023 releases, this is Daniel's time of year. He goes away. Oh for a yeah, couple- no, I'm super psyched. I'm saying yeah, award he goes, season, he I'm goes like, away oh. for a couple months. He goes away for uh, you know November, November, and December every year, and after we rely on him very heavily, and then he has to come back with a vengeance because this is his time of year. Oh yeah, so. knock at the cabin. I'm, I've got my eyes on that. Um, well, I, I will say that um, I I have RRR predicted for best picture. So if that happens, I mean, I'm still waiting on that call. Like, all right, we're convening to do the RRR podcast. I told you, we'll, we will do RRR if it gets nominated for best picture or even if it gets put in a theater again. I've promised Daniel we would do an RRR episode if like it gets a best picture nomination, which there's a chance. There's a chance. Or it just, I have the opportunity to go in a theater. It's just three hours is like a lot to watch again, even though it might be my favorite movie of the year too. It's just like, oh, it's a, it's a big time commitment. Uh, and it's on Netflix. Just put it on while you're doing the dishes or something. Maybe, maybe I'll do it. I feel bad. It, it probably, I, I probably just got to do it. I don't think I've ever had my number one movie of the year not be some, not be something I did an episode on. So I might just got, I might just have to do it. It's just like I'm just, I'm just busy, man. I got a lot going on. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I rented like three different. I already bought like three different Sundance movies too. I got to knock those out next week within five days. And it's like, oh, what are you seeing? I'm seeing that one. Uh, I'm seeing that one cat person with uh the girl from Coda oh yeah and yeah yeah Braun, the one based the, on the thing yeah. Yeah, and I'm seeing uh, Fair Play that has uh, Alden Eric Ehrenreich making his return to cinema, uh, which is like kind of something about like some some shit goes down at a hedge fund or something like that. And I'm seeing the one with uh, 
with Jennifer Connelly that's directed by Jane Campion's daughter, like something about like an actor and a stunt like and like a stunt woman or something like that goes to like some weird retreat. I don't really know. A stunt woman. Yeah. Oh, it's called like m- bad behavior or something like that. Hmm. Uh, I think it's about a stunt woman. So yeah, I, th- those are the, those are the three I got. And I think, uh, and, and our friend Fred, like, I think at least got him for, I think maybe bad behavior or, um, or indefinitely fair play. So I might record something on him. And with I mean, hey, if there's a stunt woman one, I'm definitely going to look it up. Yeah, bad, be- yeah, bad behavior. Jennifer Connelly and Ben Wishaw. The film is a dark comedy about a former child actress who seeks enlightenment at a, ret- a retreat led by a spiritual leader, while she also navigates the close yet turbulent relationship with her stunt performer daughter. So okay, Wait, yeah. Is so- this a Karen Kusama movie? No, it's 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 that's what I'm saying. It's directed by Alice Englert, who written and uh. directed by her, and she plays Jennifer Connelly's daughter. But Alice Englert is Jane Campion's daughter. So I, I, I didn't I, I didn't even know that when I bought the when I bought the ticket. I was just going off of the description. Um, you know, we need you know. more Nepo babies directing action movies. I'm going to say that. <laughs> and that's why I respect uh, Destry Spielberg. <laughs> oh, I, I did not know she was into. Yeah, she's going to be directing something called like, I think, uh, a wedding and four funerals or something like that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, so yeah. So uh, yeah, everyone who might be, we'll, we'll have some coverage from the Sundance stuff at some point on the podcast too. Once the general, once the masses can see uh, whatever, whatever we make, whatever we make it to. So everyone stay tuned for our early 2023 stuff and our stuff as we round out Oscar season. We'll uh, obviously have some of our uh, year end podcast too. Uh, Daniel and I might be playing something special in that regard as well. So uh, thanks again to Daniel for joining. Thanks to all of you for, for listening and we'll see you next time.